I think sometimes we look for, you know, what's the policy recommendation? What's the path? What I'm trying to identify are what are the key issues that we need to contend with? Um, what are the shared definitions that we can agree upon uh, so that we can identify how we start to take steps forward together, even if the path that we're on might be, you know, parallel to one another or we're heading off in slightly different directions. Um, but with this end goal in mind that, um, you know, that we have to figure out how to still power our economies on a day-to-day -day basis and ensure that regions are thriving. Well, welcome back to the Decog Connect podcast. And today I am very pleased to have as my guest, Abby Smith, who is president and CEO of Team PA. And we met recently, actually, just a, a month or two ago at an event in Pittsburgh. And Abby's role is to lead Team Pennsylvania's work, which is a, a neutral convener bringing together uh, public private entities to address all kinds of long-term issues of which energy transition and decarbonization is one. Um, I did notice on your bio, Abby, that earlier this year, you received uh, the Above and Beyond Award, which honors Pennsylvanian women of public and civic mind who have demonstrated exemplary leadership. So that's an amazing recognition. So congratulations on that and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for the congratulations and, of course, for having me. So we'll kick off with the, the normal uh, starting point, which is I always ask my guests this. Um, it's about how you've arrived at this point in time. And the reason I always ask is because we're still at a stage with energy transition and decarbonization where, where bring it, people are bringing all sorts of backgrounds to this really complex and long term issue. So. Yes, let's hear a little about you. What what are the personal and professional drivers that mean that you're here with me today talking about energy transition? Sure. I am not sure that I can give you a really neat and clean career trajectory, career path, <laughs> uh, and especially because I really did not expect to be the president and CEO of Team Pennsylvania, or we call it Team PA for short. Um, I started out as a teacher. I very quickly found myself... Um, thinking about, you know, what are the different things that get in motion? Uh, you know, the long game of telephone that gets played <laughs> in our case in Washington, DC, all the way down to my classroom. Um, I was a teacher when uh, No Child Left Behind was passed. And I had an administration where when I would ask a question about kind of a new thing that we were supposed to do, they would say, um, you know, well, No Child Left Behind. So that's why we have to <laughs> do that thing. Um, and I, I became really interested in what are the decisions that are made at different levels that ultimately affect, um, you know, at the most localized level in the four walls of my classroom. And um, and so I loved teaching. I loved my students. I loved the families I was working with. Uh, but I think that I realized I was a systems level thinker. Um, and I kind of came to a policy path. And I always thought I'd be this, this policy expert. But I have to say that... Um, uh, it was in education and energy never, never crossed my mind as an area outside of just thinking about the education systems and workforce development uh, related issues that that certainly connect to energy and to energy transition. Um, but that was my background, my area of expertise. Um, and as these things often do, I just found myself one day in, a, in the right place at the right time where the organization was going through a bit of a transition. Um, and uh, I was, you know, called upon to to step up in what started as an interim capacity and then shifted to, um, you know, through my hat in the ring to get the full-time job. Um, one of the first conversations that I had actually when I was the interim was specifically around energy transition. 
um, there was somebody who's working at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's a public servant. Um, and I had a great conversation with him where, uh, you know, I was taking over for the previous CEO's calendar. And he, he said, you know, there's a, there's a role for Team PA to play in this conversation. So let me give you a little bit of background. Let me give you a little bit of information. Uh, and here's why the public sector can't lead this alone. And here's why the private sector can't lead this alone. Um, a lot of light bulbs went off for me. And while we work in a lot of other areas, um, energy transition and decarbonization is just a perfect space for public and private sectors to work together. So that, that's a little bit about kind of how I got here. So the, the little bit before you and I met, the little bit that I knew of Team PA was that you sit kind of at the heart of this conversation in Pennsylvania, which many states have a similar conversation going on, which is really to do with how you go from the kind of existing industrial landscape, the existing, in your case, a lot of oil and gas, you know, and energy production. How do you take a state that's so rooted in that, but also build opportunities in carbon management and, you know, through the energy transition? But can you just give us a little background? Because obviously people on listening into this from all over the world who won't know what Team PA does, but how did it start? And then how has it come into this convener within this convener role, sorry, within energy transition and decarb? Sure. Team PA has been around for, uh, you know, a little over 27 years. So we're a public-private partnership. And, and I think, you know, people often hear that P3 term. Um, but when we were founded, it was with this idea that the best things that government can do really need the input from the drivers of our economy, the business sector. And that the best things that business can do uh, cannot be done without working hand in hand with government. Uh, and so at the, at the heart of our organization, um, we are thinking about the ways in which the public and private sectors can come together, can do work that would be greater than they could do alone. And so this requires a deep respect of, of both um, entities and what perspectives and work and uh, the expertise, the role that they play. Um, so even when we're interviewing somebody for a job at Team PA, we need them to have really positive feelings about government and what's possible. And we need them to have really positive feelings about business and what's possible. Um, and, and I'm sure that we can all think of people in our lives who have a certain amount of negativity <laughs> in, in both of those spaces. Um, but it is, in many ways, the art of the possible. It's, it's thinking about the opportunities as opposed to being focused on the problems. And Pennsylvania itself, you know, where our moniker, if you're not aware, is the Keystone State. Um, and, you know, you think of a Keystone within um, uh, infrastructure and a bridge, uh, that role that a Keystone plays as an, as an intersection point, I really think about how Team PA in many ways operates as a bit of a Keystone. We get to kind of be in the middle of the center of um, where the drivers of our economy ultimately sit, which is going to be how the public sector shows up, how the private sector shows up. Um, and our role is to be a thoughtful partner and a long-term steward of the economic health of Pennsylvania's economy. Um, when it comes to energy transition, <laughs> uh, you know, and how we kind of landed in this spot, we have had a lot of projects and work over the years that I would say are um, you know, created a foundation for this work. And this is just because Pennsylvania is the number two energy state, no matter how you slice it. So across the country, uh, we are a producer to other states. Um, we have a, uh, a big energy footprint, and we also have a big industrial sector footprint. Um, 
when you look at the founding of Pennsylvania and you look at where energy fits in, uh, this is the home of advanced nuclear. This is the birthplace of, um, uh, you know, where many different energy transitions have happened with coal and oil and gas. Um, this is a place that makes a lot of sense <laughs> to be now at the center of an, yet another energy transition um, and figuring out how do we power the activities that all of us do that require a lot of energy around us to make our lives work and also ensure um, that we are being thoughtful stewards of the environment. And as we think about um, how to achieve decarbonization goals that we've set, we have a deep belief that the um, the big industrial producers out there therefore have to be a key part of the solution. Um, they Right now, you could easily frame it as, oh, well, they're part of the problem. They, they have to be part of the solution. So I think that's the role that Team PA plays ultimately. I just want to take this opportunity to thank our production partner and sponsor, Jano Media, for their support in delivering the Decarb Connect podcast. Over the last few years, they've helped us to facilitate great conversations that connect us with our audience. And their skills and expertise mean that we get to concentrate exclusively on generating the content, the conversations that engage, inform and inspire. Okay, so let, let's just sort of uh, go down into the, the next level under that then. So could you, um, whether it's a kind of a meeting you've held recently or a project you've been the convener around recently, can you just give a sense of who who came to the table, just so we can picture that? Like, who are you bringing together? And what was it that Team PA was doing, just to really give that clarity? Sure. Um, I have a good example, and it also just highlights just how, how we work. So we host what's called a cross-sector collaborative. It's our Energy Horizons cross-sector collaborative. Across this table, we're talking about a network of, of hundreds of individuals and organizations. And this is everything from uh, businesses that are really large and ones that we've all heard of to little startups that have yet to really get their, uh, their foothold. Um, this includes government partners at the highest levels of government, not just in the state, but also local and regional partners. And we have federal uh uh, public sector partners also that are represented in our work. We have nonprofits and academic organizations um, and academic institutions you've heard of and tiny little community colleges that uh, are key providers of um, of our workforce in, in um, our energy, uh, major energy state. So we bring all these people together. In many ways, I say, you know, Team PA sets the table and then we really expect the experts around it to set the agenda. So when I think about an example of just how we work, and uh, um, I think I have kind of a perfect one to share, um, uh, we asked what's next. We saw that the federal government was putting out a ton of dollars around carbon capture uh, and storage, and then also around hydrogen. And we wanted to make sure that Pennsylvania shows up in the mix. As I said, we're the number two energy state. How do we make sure that Pennsylvania really uh, shows up on the map? So in convening the group and talking about what are the priorities and doing the kinds of things you would do with strategic planning and ultimately implementation. How do you start to get this work forward? Um, a number of people said, I don't know that we need another study, but man, we could really use a roadmap for how we get this work done. How do we actually start to do this in Pennsylvania? So this was back um, in uh, the beginning of 2022. So first, there were a couple of government partners actually who said, yeah, you know, that's the kind of thing the government can issue. We can do a, a roadmap here. 
Um, and uh, in some quiet conversations, I said, you know, how long would it take you to issue an RFP to do that work? And they said, well, it'll probably take many months. <laughs> and so here we know the federal government's coming out with these dollars. Um, and that also we have a lot of motivated stakeholders around the table who want to see this work happen. Um, this is the kind of thing where, you know, Team PA can also be a bit of a nimble, quick moving partner. So the other thing is that when it comes out of a government partner, it, it has a bit of the flavor of whichever uh, politician happens to be holding office, right? Um, and so I think it's important that a roadmap then is not um, stuck in a particular political lane, right? And it also then has a lane when it's coming out of a um, of a nonprofit organization that um, that maybe is um, looking to advocate for a particular position. The fact that we can be this very neutral, nonpartisan broker meant that not only could we very quickly put out an RFP, but we could put out one that really reflected this larger group. So how these things often go is like a staff person will type something up and then we send it out and that kind of thing. In this case, we did type up a bit of a straw person, um, but then we had a small group that um, raised their hands and say, I'd like to work on this. And there are uh, you know, decision makers across all the different types of organizations I recommended. They put in so many track changes and edits and they went back to their own companies and they had you know 35 people look at things. Um, and what we ended up with was a really... I think much better work product than we would have done if we had just kind of done it ourselves or had just a couple of thought partners in there. Um, and we put on an RFP that um, reflected the work product of that broader group and, and represented a lot of different voices. We then had the work group actually identify, you know, which proposal we should select. The group we were going to work with ultimately was the Great Plains Institute. They put together a proposal that really met our needs. Um, and then uh, that working group continued to work with the GPI team on the actual work product. So then by the time we got to September of 2022, and the federal government was just starting to roll out some of these huge initiatives and funding opportunities, suddenly you see Pennsylvania starting to show up on the map that we've released this uh, roadmap for how to actually move forward with carbon capture and storage and hydrogen, um, how we actually take advantage of this moment in Pennsylvania. But then we have a group of stakeholders who have so much more buy-in into not just the work product, um, but then wanting to actually see the roadmap come to fruition. And so it's a good example of, um, you know, perhaps a little bit of a messier project um, and process. Um, but I think the end result is something that while Team PA's name is ultimately stamped on it, uh, there's a lot of people who can claim wins through that, who can say, this is this is a work product that I was part of. Um, and we presented that as actually the only state that presented at the Global Clean Energy Action Forum uh, in September, 2022, which was held in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, so excited to be able to share a work product that's very much greater than the uh, sum of its parts. One of the things that struck me both when we met in September, but also when we were talking the other day in our prep call is how comfortable you are at convening voices, some of which will meet in the middle ground relatively easily, but also voices that are on kind of more extreme or polar opposite sides of energy transition. And, you know, Pennsylvania, even, even this English girl knows that Pennsylvania is, is rooted in coal as well as oil and gas. And I'm sure that brings with it a lot of, um, you know, residual assumptions, a lot of residual feelings about where the state is at at the moment. Oh, now we've got the energy transition. I'm sure you've got voices on both sides of that who are pretty strident, right? So 
how do you literally how do you go about getting those people to the same table and bringing something out of their thoughts and feelings that can actually be combined because it feels like whatever is happening in what you're doing there could be valuable for so many of the discussions that listeners are having in all sorts of contexts around energy transitions. So how do you do that? I think it comes from a deep belief that the people who are working on the issues that they're working on, sometimes same topic, but coming at it from very different places, to your point, um, that they actually ultimately um, probably want the same thing for their community. Um, they want uh, they want to have their communities thrive. They have different thoughts about how you get there. Um, so I think that there is inherent to not just kind of how the organization works, but all of the people who, who are on Team PA staff, um, we have a, a tremendous amount of not just optimism and positivity, but I would say we believe in the power of collaboration and, and people. And we think that the work is better as a result of having lots of different voices around the table. I will say that there are people on the fringes of conversations who do not want to work with us. They do not want to pull up a chair at a table uh, as a staunch environmentalist and working with a coal company. And so um, while I certainly am not going to you know, spend all of my time trying to convince them, I can certainly keep the door open to their participation. Um, so I don't want to suggest as if, you know, everybody is kind of happily sitting at a table together. That's certainly, um, you know, that's certainly not the case. But I do think that that for those, um, you know, I'll use that exact example, for those environmentalists um, who actually want to figure out how to work with a coal company, uh, sometimes it can be incredibly hard to figure out what table to sit at with them, <laughs> that that's a very challenging thing and vice versa, that it can be really hard for a coal company to figure out how do I sit down with environmentalists, um, even something as simple as just talking about decarbonization, uh, you know, it's it's eliminating the very product of the carbon, right? So it's a, it's a really... Um, I think recognizing how fraught it is and that there are so few forums that allow for dialogue back and forth and for collaboration with a deep belief that then the work that is done in partnership um, has the potential to really move the needle. It may not also be what a coal company could say publicly, and it may not be what an environmentalist can say publicly, but perhaps the work that they do together can be grounded in where those common goals lie. And so the way that I think of it as a visual and it's part of the reason we talk about this Energy Horizons uh, cross-sector collaborative is on the horizon um, is an energy future that I think many of us actually share a common vision for. Um, the road that we get there can actually be a pretty wide path that allows for a lot of different voices and approaches. And I think actually requires a lot of different voices and approaches because I don't think that it's gonna be a straight one. It's gonna be awfully circuitous. It's gonna require, you know, if you picture that river all the way to the horizon, um, along that path, you're gonna talk a lot about, you know, tributaries and twists and turns. And um, I think that that's what those different varied voices allow for. Um, we also see that the work sometimes resonates more with others and at other points in time than it does, you know, at, at, at some later points. And I think allowing for that flexibility for our network to be dynamic means that people can come in and out of the work, um, but that ultimately, we have to figure out how to work together to play the long game. Um, in the short term, we might find some real differences. <laughs> and so people might step away and then come back to it. Um, but for me, the goal is not seeking consensus. 
the goal is to continue to have a shared table because we actually ultimately have shared goals for the future. Yeah, so I suppose on at first listening to that, you're like, ah, oh, their job is to find compromise between these five, but actually it's, actually no, the goal is the end. The, the goal is that end horizon. And if in the interim, people are on different routes, what you're saying is that's fine because we're still going towards the same place. Is that? Is that- that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and I, I think sometimes we look for, you know, what's the policy recommendation? What's the path? Um, what I'm trying to identify are what are the key issues that we need to contend with? Um, what are the shared definitions that we can agree upon uh, so that we can identify how we start to take steps forward together, even if the path that we're on might be, you know, parallel to one another or heading off in slightly different directions. Um, but with this end goal in mind that, um, you know, that we have to figure out how to still power our economies on a day-to-day basis and ensure that regions are thriving. Mm. And we ultimately want to make sure that we're responsible for uh, the the water that we um, the water that we drink, the air that we breathe, right? So we we share those goals. Um, and so I fundamentally believe that we have to work on these things together uh, rather than try to pick one another apart. Um, and and by the way, you know, a lot of that is happening anyway in other spaces. And so I'll I'll let I'll leave that to other other folks to kind of duke it out in other places. Um, the the place the table that we're setting is one where we value the voices of all of those that are pulling up a chair. Yeah, interesting. And an interesting, uh, particularly, I, mean, I know many states and countries have felt themselves to be on the sharp and pointy end of kind of the last two decades of global transition, but nowhere more, I would imagine, than Pennsylvania. It hasn't probably hasn't always felt like it's been the winner in globalization and, and that trend. So positioning all those parties at the table with that same view of this is about our community, our state, about Pennsylvania, being on the right side of this next transition is quite a powerful clarion call, isn't it, I suppose? And that must keep bringing people back to the table, even when they're secretly going, where are you, I order, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and by the way, I think it's a little harder to hate up close. So I think that as people are kind of sitting, you know, shoulder to shoulder, and they, uh, they come to see each other's uh, work sites in action, or they come to look at, you know, the work that's being done. Um, you know, this is where um, you actually start to find common ground, uh, where you start to find common opportunity. Um, you know, and I can give another example. We we do these deep dive series where we take a topic that's just hard, <laughs> hard to understand, hard to pick apart, hard to, hard to work with. Um, you know, one of those is like poor space and liability. And uh, so we kind of say, okay, you know, if if we need to understand uh, the space between uh, the rocks, what's there, who owns what, you know, these are these are hard topics. So at the very least, let's get a number of different experts from different perspectives, different information, and let's just put that forward um, to provide. Uh, you know, more information and do a bit of a level setting. We invite legislators to listen in. um, And it's not about educating on one particular perspective or another. It's like just basic educating. Let's do the 101. What are we really talking about here? Um, And what are the different challenging issues that that have to be decided without saying this is the right way? (laughs) We can actually do quite a bit 
um, of trying to pick apart and understand, well, what are the issues? Uh, what are the different perspectives and why do they exist? And if we don't contend with those, uh, where do what's going to happen? We're going to get left behind or we're going to make some uh, decisions that maybe haven't been made thoughtfully and with full information in hand. Um, so so I think that our role, it's not just about a you know educating one, where we're just providing information that you can kind of search on YouTube <laughs> and just, uh, you know, find, you know, what do these things stand for and things like that. It's saying, let's bring together some very different perspectives. Let's give people a safe space to ask questions within, with, among experts. Um, and, and let's then allow the space for those differing viewpoints or just even uh, kind of, you know, finding where the common ground is. Let's, let's give people the space to actually speak those out, um, hear one another, and uh, it's not then that we're trying to kind of change minds in any particular direction. I think we want to make sure that our policymakers, our business leaders, um, our labor organizations, our nonprofit institutions, our academic uh, institutions, that all of them are at least, let's at least start with, you know, identifying the key issues we need to collectively contend with. Uh, that's an awfully good place to start. Yeah, I guess, I mean, uh... It's certainly conversations in the UK and the US that I've had always remind me that whether you're, you know, a senior business leader, a senior industrial leader, or a senior leader in state or federal government or UK government or wherever you are, one of one of our biggest challenges around very complex things like energy transition is to get people to step away from an automatic poll like an automatic my automatic position because I once read a tweet on this is X because they're dealing with huge amounts of information all the time they're working at speed they're never going to become an expert but they need to be enough of an expert to be able to form an opinion that isn't just based on you know that random headline they once saw or something like that so yeah really valuable work so for team pa itself then what what is the goal like how do you set a goal as a neutral comedian what, what is it that you want to achieve this year versus in i don't know five years how do you assess that for us, we're um, excuse me, we're in a growth mode as an organization, broadly speaking, um, and so we passed a strategic plan in the summer of 2022. Our board of directors, by the way, our 49-person board of directors, which is co-chaired by the governor of Pennsylvania, um, and the other co-chair is a private sector CEO of a Pennsylvania-based company. Um, you know, together we're we're not just doing work in public-private partnership. Our board is a public-private partnership, right? Um, and so we sat down and uh, did the process that you know I think many people are familiar with of what it goes in, what goes into reimagining yourself or imagining what's next as an organization. So we have a clear sense of that, which is in part that we want to continue to be the long-term stewards of Pennsylvania's economic health. Um, but the way in which we do that, we wanted to better articulate our theory of change. So I've talked a lot about the strategic collaboration part of that. Um, but coupling strategic collaboration with strategic investment, knowing that the ideas that are incubated together then need to be activated. Um, and we believe that that is how we can achieve our mission of accelerating economic growth through public-private partnership. And that requires us to continue to be a convener, to be known as a convener, uh, to bring together public and private partners on these challenging topics. So in addition to what we've been talking about around uh, industrial sector decarbonization, around energy and energy transition, uh, we also have other goals um, and other areas in which we work, agriculture, manufacturing, 
engineering, life sciences, innovation and technology. These are all areas where we think that the potential for economic growth and opportunity relies heavily then on what partners are brought to the table and what ideas are unlocked through public-private partnership and also, as I said, through strategic investment. So, uh, so as an organization, we are looking to grow the partners that we work with, um, policymakers and business leaders being kind of key among them, but other partners as well. And then in addition to that, growing our footprint as an organization, making sure that we have uh, the dollars to work with to, to make those big strategic investments, those big swings. This is actually a big state. We are uh, large in terms of population and footprint. As I mentioned, we're an energy producer of a state. Um, and so... We think that that merits having dollars that can then spur and accelerate economic growth in ways that uh, they couldn't otherwise. And when we think about the potential of dollars coming out of you know, one, whether it's private sector, public sector dollars, uh, we also think in the same way that there's power in doing work together where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, so too is there uh, power in investments that happen, where the public and private dollars that can get leveraged and braided in very different ways um, through a neutral convener um, can can also accelerate economic growth and, and make some, some huge swings. So as an organization, we're looking in that direction, that if there is a big opportunity in Pennsylvania's economy, that Team PA is at the center of that, that we are pulling together the necessary partners to realize those opportunities. And not every issue is a state-level issue. Not every issue requires public-private partnership, but the ones that do, we want to be a key driver of that. And we want to make sure that we're setting that table, but also then spurring the work that's done together uh, through, um, through strategic investment. So, so that's kind of where we're that's where where we're headed, um, and then the different issues I mentioned, the way in which the interplay happens between those different areas. Uh, so we know that there's a big connection between what happens in manufacturing, what happens in energy. We know that uh, in life sciences, there's uh, deep needs in the agriculture uh, sector, and we think that a lot of Pennsylvania's strengths are also going to be best leveraged by how the interplay happens, a bit of a flywheel effect, so to speak. Um, and so with our work, it's about not just um, implementing you know, a strategic plan, it's really making it so that our policymakers and business leaders can see themselves in Pennsylvania's economic future. So we've, we've talked a bit about the stakeholder groups that you bring together, um, specifically on decarbonization. So within that, you know, all those strands of work that you are pushing forward, specifically on decarbonization, what, what are some of the unique to Pennsylvania issues that you're focused on? The unique to Pennsylvania issues, I think that for us, um, where Pennsylvania can lead, on energy transition and decarbonization, I think looks a little bit different than um, some of the states that are in, in this area. Um, we um, think there's a lot of opportunity around hydrogen. You know, hydrogen doesn't generate direct emissions or pollutants or greenhouse greenhouse gases at its point of use. And so we see this as really critical to Pennsylvania's economy because we can direct emissions using hydrogen as a feedstock. So when we think about trucking and steel and chemicals manufacturing and industrial heat, all of those different components, uh, we think that hydrogen is going to be a crucial path for us given our industrial strength. 
Um, and then I think that that starts, the market liftoff happens uh, in this case with, with blue hydrogen, with um, the feedstock being natural gas and with carbon capture storage technology um, built into that. Um, and the reason is that Pennsylvania sits on the Marcellus Shale. Um, we have a very uh, robust natural gas industry. While it starts with natural gas, um, we think that there's ample opportunity to see hydrogen that's blended ultimately with uh, sources that are derived from, um, from renewables, from green hydrogen. We think that there's opportunities when it comes to pink hydrogen, things that you know, are connected to advanced nuclear. Um, and to that end, we actually um, have just started a whole separate work stream within our energy collaborative, looking at nuclear technology. We think that especially given manufacturing um, base in Pennsylvania, that the way that small modular reactors could potentially take off here creates a uh, tremendous amount of economic opportunity while also um, a real path for decarbonization. And then, as I mentioned with carbon capture, we think that this is something where we can really address these very difficult to decarbonize industries and that adding CCUS into the mix means that we can continue a path forward for our um, our major industrial drivers of Pennsylvania's economy um, while really mitigating some of the environmental damages that come with that. So that, that's kind of what's on tap next for us. Okay. All right. Well, just as a, we're sort of starting, sort of think of closing out on this, let me ask you two last questions. So first is when you think about the way that you and your team work, and we've you've really articulated that well, how is this different from how other states or countries are, are kind of bringing people together, do you think? What's your sense of what your secret source is, if you like? I would love to see a parallel entity like ours in other states. Um, I, I'm not sure that we have one. I mean, I, I certainly have kind of looked high and low. <laughs> um, and um, I think that there's a lot of issues where you need a neutral broker and convener and also somebody who's going to play the long game. Um, you know, I think business markets, you know, they, they kind of rise and fall and there's certainly an ebb and flow to political tides. I think it's important to have a partner that continues to take the long view and, and play the long game because it's one where I think in a day-to-day -day, we're often motivated on what's kind of right in front of us. So when we look at other states and other opportunities that exist within those states, oftentimes um, you know, there are many partners that are kind of in, I think, a, a tough cycle of having to figure out exactly, you know, what's next day to day. And we've demonstrated that we can be this very action oriented organization that's still a systems change, a long term systems change organization. Um, uh, there's not always an inherent business model in that where, you know, we're raising funds to be able to support that work on a regular basis that are coming from public and mainly private sources. Um, but uh, I think that what we've landed on is a model that, um, that works well for people who believe in the power of collaboration. And also, as I kind of started with, believe in the power of the private sector and the public sector and what they can really accomplish together. Um, so I, I don't know that there is a parallel entity in another state. Um, and I, I, but I think that we've really landed on, on a secret sauce here and um, we'll continue to, 
kind of forge a path, path forward within Pennsylvania uh, with the hopes that, you know, many of our peer states are doing the same in, in a different forum, different venue. And then last question for you, you know, when you think about um, all those different stakeholders, all those different positions that people come from, what what would be your kind of call to action, whether it's for kind of business and government leaders in your state or more widely, you know, what's what's the kind of call to action you want to leave people with? I think that energy transition um, is really hard and actually working collaboratively is really hard. <laughs> uh, you know, these things are these things are hard. Um, but where I feel like the opportunity and, you know, for, for the best success will exist um, is bold action. I think that sometimes with a lot of this work, um, it's hard to be a first mover. It's hard to figure out how to be a first mover. It's hard to make that financially viable. And I'm really thoughtful about that when I talk to businesses about um, you know, what is it going to take to decarbonize steel? Well, you can't drive away your customer base by pricing yourself out of the market, right? And when I think about government and the role that they can play, I, you know, you certainly can't drive away your constituencies, uh, whatever side of the aisle you're on. Uh, you have to pass policies that you know are are, are going to meet the needs of communities. Um, these are all really hard uh, challenging topics and decision points. And, um, but I don't think that there's ever going to be a super clear, straightforward, narrow path. There is always though, um, going to be, uh, challenging decisions. And I think at a certain point, what I would ask of partners, um, particularly of leaders who sit at the, uh, you know, the seat who sit in the seat where they can actually make the decisions um, is that this is going to require bold leadership. Um, and part of that bold leadership, I think, is also, uh, you know, bold collaboration. And so I really do hope that, you know, not just as we kind of sit in our seat and sometimes become a bit of a lightning rod for these challenging issues, um, uh, I hope that we are flanked by many others who are standing with us in partnership to to be bold in the work that they do, because I think it's going to take a lot of courage. Um, but I actually think that that's, quite frankly, the only path forward. Abby, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you. I really enjoyed meeting you um, at the event in Pittsburgh. And by the way, I loved Pittsburgh. I think I told you this uh, on site that within about... I don't know, six hours of being in the city, I'd plotted where our new office would be. I've had to rent myself <laughs> back in, but I, I really love my time there and I enjoyed meeting you very much. Thank you for, for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel the same way. Enjoyed meeting you and uh, certainly am glad that we got to pick up the conversation here. Really appreciate you having me on. At Jano Media. We recognize that great content has the power to create impactful and positive change for lives and society. Whether that's video, live streams, photography or podcasts, partnering with us will enable you to harness the power of content to engage, inform and inspire. Reach out to us today.